One of my Talmidim, as Rav Scott was speaking, I, I was reminded of so many things. Was I, I have a yeshiva in Cleveland, Yeshiva High School of Cleveland. Um, we have a, it's a very small school. We're more of a preventative school. Um, boys who were in the mainstream yeshivas, but they, they, they couldn't be celebrated in the mainstream. Not the mainstream's fault, not their fault. They just couldn't be celebrated in, in, uh, in the mainstream. And that would have led to them just falling between the cracks and everything. So, so we're there. And, uh, and I, I love these boys. But it, it, that line comes up a lot, you know, the, the line of, Rabbi, after right when we can't do something or we, we struggle with our dorm, right? We have boarding houses, and it's very, it's very difficult, especially in the Cleveland winter, to get the boys from the boarding houses to the dorm, back to the boarding houses to the dorm. You know, we're, we're trying to have a dorm within the within, – or have a building. It would be great also to have a building with a – so I was, I was smoozing with the guys about the frustration. I love sharing with my boys the frustration that Yeshiva is going through. I, I, I remember being a teenager when the Rebbeim would go into their closed-door meetings. And, and it, was so, it was so alienating. Because if you're going to do that, I, I hear. Do it when I'm not here. It, it was very alienating. Now, we need to have meetings that we can't discuss in front of the guys, obviously. But, but not, when, not, not, when we're, not when the boys are around. It's, it's, like, it's like your children. If you have that thing that you got to, you know, every guy's worst nightmare, every guy's biggest, uh, every man's uh, anxiety is when the wife says to him right before the kids come home, we need to talk. <laughs> and then the kids come home after they go to sleep. And it's like, I can't, I can't breathe. What time do they go to sleep? <laughs> I can't do this for th- four hours. Are you crazy? They're not- melatonin. Get the melatonin out. We're knocking them out early tonight. That's not. So. So, but I, I was sharing with my Talmudim the, the struggle of, because uh, they were sharing with me also that it's difficult. And we were sharing this, and one of the boys said to me, Rebbe, don't worry about it. After I get, I, I get out of here, and after, I oh, said it like that, it sounds like prison. But all right, after I, I move on, and after I make my money, right? It's a concept of a kid's money, by the way. Teenagers still have that same concept of a money, right? They all think that with that, pizza shop job, they're going to move out, they're going to get an apartment, they're going to get their insurance, they're going to buy a car, they're going to, they all have that, that, they still have that concept of money. And he said, when I get a million dollars, Ravi, I'm like, a, you can give it all to me, it still won't help. It's like, when, I'm, when I get my million dollars, Ravi, I'm telling you, I'm going to build us a building, I'm going to get us a dorm. And I said to him, it's not like, I don't need your million dollars. You already gave me your million dollars. You showed up, you're here. This is, this is worth so much more than that. I don't need your million dollars later. And I can't stand it when guys say it. Because then I know I'm doing something wrong. I, I, I love that they feel connected and they feel a Sheba that they want to give back. That's beautiful. But the ones that you see in their eyes feel that they have to pay you for this. They have to give back. They don't feel that you're doing this because you're so in love with what's happening. They don't feel you're gaining enough from it. I tell my boys all the time, it's, not, it's very cliched, but it's, it's so true. Every single year, I know I'm walking out a different person from that year. I'm going to meet some kid and I'm going to learn something I never knew. I used to give the boys a, a brachas Friday night. Uh, around the Shabbos table, we'll give brachas Friday night. I could do for my kids. My kids go first, and the boys know my kids have their seats on the table, and no one's allowed to 
I was allowed to touch the seat. It, uh, it, it gets funny when there's other guests over there and someone tries to sit in like my four-year-old daughter's seat and they're like, actually, that's Eliana's seat. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Eliana's taking your seat. And she comes and she's like, that's my seat. Like, fine. So I go around, I give, I give brachas to, to all the boys Friday night. And one Friday night, I'm going around, I'm giving brachas. I go up to one boy. I'm just going one boy to the next up to one boy, I'm about to give him a bracha, and he moves out from under my hand, which is very, very common. He was a new kid. He moves out from under. He was having to have been a local boy, a boy that was local to Cleveland, which most of my boys aren't. He moved out from under my hand, and he goes, oh, it's okay, Rebbe. My, my, my parents already gave me a bracha. And my heart broke. This kid taught me such an enormous lesson. If he thinks that I'm trying to give him a bracha instead of his parents, the other guys might be thinking that also. Who in the world do I think I am? I was giving him a bracha as a rebbe. I was not. And I switched it up. We do it by Shal Shudas now. Because no one, no one usually, no, and, no, and no one questions it. And when I go up and put my hand on the head, they're like, what? oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and no one's ready for it. They don't. But everyone gave him Friday night because they used to their parents doing it. I cannot, I, I should technically be a, a, a number. I went to a very good elementary school, but when I was growing up, it was still very in style to um, embarrass a kid, then hit him, then embarrass him again, and then really to drill, to drill at home, have him like stand up for the rest of the class, and no one forgets. And so that to make sure that the trauma is like deep-seated in there, to make sure they would have you stand up. So um, that would happen constantly, daily. I would get smacked, or what do you call it? And, and uh, I remember one, one time, it was in seventh grade already, so like, yeah, we were a little bit of an older kid. One of the Rebbeim from the other class, who I didn't know, I never said three words to. I mamish have never said three words to this person, but the way he looked at me in the hallways, I think it was because I had a chup, which if he saw me speak now, he'd be like, <laughs> serves you right! You see what happens! And Shalom finally exacted his revenge, you know? <laughs> He'd be thrilled to see me now. Um, but, uh, but every time he would, walk, he would walk by me in the hallway, he, he, would, he would give me this look, and, um, and he pulled me over one day, and he said to me, mm, I heard. So we walked into the office, and I sat down in the chair, and because I was used to it. <laughs> I, I had my chair in the office that I would sit in, and then they would sit, and we would do the thing. And uh, the good days were when the principal had his computer screen. He just got a computer in schools then, and he had a co- his computer screen turned around. And they used to have, remember, the, remember what a screensaver is? I don't know if anyone has screensavers on things. A screensaver and it was these, these shapes that would spin around each other, and it was mind-blowing. So we didn't have a computer at home. It was mind-blowing to me, this thing. And I would sit there watching it, and I could space out. Like, you have no idea how badly I could space out. And I'm sitting there watching. I never listened to a word anyone said while that computer screamed. I would just nod and agree and uh, periodically say I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so this Rebbe comes in, and I sit down, and he says, yeah, that makes sense. And I said, oh, he's like, you're going to sit down before the Rebbe? Okay. Okay. Are you the Rebbe? I said, uh, no. He said, would you like to sit in the Rebbe's seat then maybe? I said, I said, No. <laughs> We already accomplished this, I think. So he says, stand up. So I stand up, and he says, I'm not going to sit in a room with you. I'm like, 
fantastic. And and it was so it was he said, I'm not gonna sit in a room with you. And it, my what do you call it was so bad that I was relieved. I was like, Oh good, this isn't gonna take long. <laughs> Can get back to lunch. And he goes he goes, uh, which is another thing from a Hanukkah. You know, if it's a long conversation, obviously you have to do it during recess. But leave a kid's recess time alone. You want to speak to a kid? Call him at home. <laughs> Call him up. Let his mother tell him. Your Rebbe's on the phone for you. <laughs> he wants to speak to you. The kid will feel like a million, especially if you're telling him something good. Pull him out during class and tell him, I'm sorry, I couldn't wait to after class. That was incredible what you just did. That was amazing. So he turns to me and he goes, I heard you're hanging out. Oh, okay. I just realized. Okay. It's a dangerous story. I just realized. I heard you hanging out um, with uh, Maishi. Maishi's brother is actually here. I just realized. I heard you hanging out with Maishi. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, yeah, he's a new boy. I, uh, I, what do you call it? He said, no, not yeah, no. I said, the answer is, yeah, though, I don't know what to do right now. And he goes, he goes, you are not to see that boy outside of yeshiva anymore. And there was one second where I felt so good. I was like, wow, that's so beautiful. I don't even know this guy. This kid that he's talking about is in his class. And the kid was. He was a little bit of, uh, you could tell, he was a transformer of the year. He probably got him a pull. He was a little bit of a troublemaker. And he said, and, and he was trying to protect me. So he's like, you're not hanging out with that kid anymore. I said, oh, okay. And back then it was like, the Rebbe's word is the Rebbe's words. I said, okay. I, 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 uh, okay. You know, I, I was thinking, myself, I don't know what I'm going to say to this kid, but okay, you know, fine. And he said, because you're not going to ruin that neshama. I'm like, and it took like a minute for it to even, even process. I was like, wait a second. Is anyone else in here? Did he? There were so many other stories that I went for first because it made no sense that someone would do that. I want to tell you something. I went home. It was back in the day before people, although when I was a kid, when I was a kid, our two big fears were being kidnapped and quicksand. Those were our two big fears. <laughs> quicksand was a, big, was a big thing. I don't know. Bugs Bunny almost died a whole bunch of times because of quicksand. <laughs> I nowadays I don't hear about it anymore. I, I don't know anyone, and it's our big fear when a kid goes missing. We're like, he got kidnapped. He got kidnapped. I, I don't know the last time you knew anyone that was kidnapped. I don't know. It's, it's like so many other things happen daily that, that it's a problem. But okay, so we fine. But we used to go home by ourselves. I would go from Bar Park to Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, at least everyone else is still listening. <laughs> Mara Park to Flatbush. I'm a real Brooklyner. You have to understand. Uh, Mara Park to Flatbush. And we would take the B9 bus. And I would walk. I'd get on the B9. be going home. And I remember I was sitting on the bus. And I just started laughing to myself. Now, this isn't a rare occurrence, by the way. If ever you see me walking down the street, my wife asks me to wear ear pods, even if they're dead. She said, because then, then no one's going to think you're insane. <laughs> When you're walking and you're laughing for no reason when no one's around and you're talking to yourself. So I, uh, I'm on the bus and I start laughing to myself. And, and it, was one, it was probably the first moment that I realized what it means to have a home and what it means to have a school. I was laughing at myself, or I was laughing with myself, because I was like, that guy's crazy. That guy's so <laughs> crazy. 
And I was afraid to tell my parents, but I want you to know why I was afraid to tell my parents. I came home. I was completely not garious what this guy said to me at all. Like, it didn't even... This is probably one of the first times I'm even bringing up that story again. And not out of a traumatic thing. I, I, it has been an unimportant event in my life. And I remember saying, walking in, and I wanted to tell my mother, because it was like meeting a crazy person on the subway. It was like, you're not going to believe what this guy was doing. Like, I wanted to tell my mother, but I knew. I knew. My mother would get in her car. She would drive down to that school and wait. And the minute that guy or anyone who looked like him came out of that building, she'd run him over, back up, run him over again. She would call the, she would call the ambulance for him, make sure he gets proper medical attention, have him go to the, wait for him to do physical therapy, be healthy, come back out, wait outside the hospital, and go for a second. Without a question in my mind. I was worried about this crazy person's life. And I was, I, was lo- I was legitimately worried for him. So I didn't say anything to my mother. I didn't say anything to my mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yes. For everyone out there that's like, these Moroccan ladies. My mother is Ashkenaz. She is superbly Ashkenaz. And, um, and, but she's got the heart of a Moroccan. So, so that's why I, I always said, anyone always said that Moroccan men can be very violent, can be very, what do you call it? And, you know, I'm like, why don't you go see a Moroccan couple for a second? You tell me that we're worried about him, uh, you know, beating up on it. They're tough, these ladies. So my, my, yeah, you got that I abandoned that joke halfway through. Good. <laughs> Um, my point is, is that right now, the way I view it, and, and schools are incredible, but the, the way I view it with my own children, as what Scott was saying, is that, and, and Rabbi Kayla's touched upon, I'm going to say it mean, but schools are a glorified babysitting service for me. That, that's what it is. They are not there to build my child. They're not even there to talk to my kid. <laughs> they are not there to do anything but give him some information that he's never going to use again. <laughs> Think about the valedictorian in your school. Do you have any idea where that person is right now? They peaked way too early in life. They got to speak at the end. They quoted a few people, thanked their parents, thanked their, what you call it, and said something condescending like, and to my chaverim yakarim, from here it is up and beyond. I could have YouTubed this. I didn't have to show up. This could have been in an email. You could have sent everyone an email. We could have done it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the kid that achieves well. It's beautiful. But what did he do with that afterwards? And the, but the kid who got the experiences? That, kid's, that, that kid walks out a, 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 a wellspring of love, of information, of, of, of experience. I'm going to end with this. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I, uh, I'm dyslexic um, by, by blessing and nature. And, and I'm ADD. I don't know. I have, I have a, bunch of, a, bunch, yeah, a bunch of things I carry with me, you know, just to impress people. 
So, uh, so it's my it's my chasna shtick. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. I, uh, I, so I, I had a fear. I, I was very worried with my first son that uh, reading, because reading, if if you're a boy in a yeshiva and you can't read. Uh, your life is going to take a very... I mean, we're the people of the book. <laughs> if you can't read it, it's, uh, it's, it's a big problem. So I, uh, I was very worried. And when my son first went into Cheder in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Hillel was his Rabbi. There's something... I think Rabbi Kesher Scott will definitely agree. When you meet a Rebbe, even a, a fourth-grade Rebbe, not even... I, I love how people like downplay like a grade-school Rebbe or an elementary school Rebbe. These people do more Kiruv and save more lives... I, and have the opportunity to do that on a daily basis. But when you meet a Rebbe, especially a Rebbe of young children, that loves what he does, that is so on fire about what he does. This Rebbe one time told me, this Rebbe Hillel, he told me, he said, there's a machsan, a, uh, a, a storeroom, in, a storage room in the, in the school, a whole machsan, however big these machsans are, packed with suitcases, packed. He said, I have three suitcases in there for every month of the year. For every month of the year, I have three suitcases in there. Because that's what I use. I use all the stuff in those suitcases to decorate the class every single, every single month. We do a different decorations in the class. He switches up the whole classroom. That's a person who just, he doesn't have to do, he loves what he does. So I went in for our PTA, and my first thing was, is how, you know, how is he reading? I read with him at home, and I... You know, he's not getting it. I don't think he's getting it. And he said to him, he said to me, he opens up uh, an olive bina and he sends, gives it to me. And he says, uh, he says, show me, uh, show me how you, show me how you do it. I'm like, what, what do you, what do you want me to do? I started palpitating. I'm like, oh no, he's going to test me on Korea. Like, that's, that's how deep, uh, I'm like, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, he takes the olive bina, turns it in front of him. He says, I'm going to be your son. You be you. Okay. I'm like, oh no, I'm definitely getting all this wrong. <laughs> And he goes, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make the mistakes I know he makes. And so he starts going. And I, I, like, I correct him. I said, oh, maybe, and I'm doing it nicer than I would even do it. And I'm like, maybe let's do that again. Saturday again. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then he goes to the next word. And I'm trying everything. And he's like, don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm horrible. What, what do you want? And he looks at me and he goes, your son's either going to learn how to read or not learn how to read. That's just what's going to happen in life. Let me show you what you should do. He turns around the alphabet and he hands it to me. He says, read it any way you want. He says, don't even say the right word. So I, I'll never forget it. The word was nimshach. I don't, I don't, I'll never forget the word. And I look at it. I say, nimsh, nimsach, or nimsach. And he goes, ah, Tyra! Ah! I said, what is going on? <laughs> I said, what is going on right now? And he goes, no, no, keep going. I, I'm sorry I interrupted him. Keep going. Keep. And every word I would say, he would just, ah, Tyra, that's beautiful. It's Tyra. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, you don't know what I'm doing? I said, no. He took my hand. He leaned over the table. He took my hand. He looks at me and he goes, I want you to imagine that you're five years old. Just imagine that you're five years old. I said, okay. He said, you're not good at reading. You said you weren't good at reading. I said, no, I'm not good at reading. He said, you have your olive bean in front of you. He said, you have your olive bean in front of you. He said, you're up to a hard word. It's nimshach. You're up to a hard word. 
He says, picture yourself saying it. I say, okay. And I'm, I'm starting to get. And he says, now I want you to look across at your father. And I look across and he goes, your father is saying, ah, Tyra, ah. And I started bawling. I said, whoa, I want to learn. I don't even care if I get it right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He learned how to walk. He learned how to talk. He'll learn how to read. But he needs to have that as lavus. And no Rebbe or stranger or person in the world could give that to him. Nobody. The Rebbe said, leave the correcting to me because either I'll get it right or I'll get it wrong. Either I'll read or he won't. But there's something you can give him I never could. I could never give him. That reaction of his Abba. That reaction, I could never give him and it will never mean anything to him. I hate when we do the school bashing. Not because it's right or wrong. But because we feel that if we assign blame, and it's not our blame, we could sleep better at night. Everyone gets up and says, if you throw a kid out, you know what these principles are going through sometimes? If you throw a kid out, you're all right, say ah! I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm saying for every parent that's going and saying, if you throw this kid out, you're at Seah. He has four parents going saying, how are you keeping the kid? You're, you're, he's a mazik rabim. And he's a... Everyone's calling on their side with their thing. He, he's going to make an enemy with everybody no matter what. And the rebellion, why doesn't he give my son more time? Because he gets paid $25,000 a year. He has to hold down eight jobs. So does his wife and he has his own kids. He's stressed. We have to stop relying on these people to do anything other than what they're actually supposed to do, which is teach them basically useless information. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've had some amazing rebellion in my life. I will never forget Mesechtas Makis because Rabbi Weisler one time at the end of a class, and I was not by a stretch of the imagination the best kid in that class. I think it was me. There was a few empty spots. I was that bad, and then it was the rest of the class. They just put me a few levels below. One time, I don't know what it was. I don't know why I applied myself one day. Yeah, it's a weird day. Whatever I watched the night before was not good enough to have disturbed <laughs> what was happening. <clears throat> Clearly, I needed a distraction <laughs> from life. <laughs> so I paid attention to Gemara that day. And, and at the end of the class, at the end of the class, he gives the whole shear. And I didn't ask any good questions, by the way. And this is how you know Machanach. I didn't ask any good questions. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't answer nothing. At the end of the class, at the end of the class, he says, boys, before we go to recess, 
and and this yeshiva and this rebbe, I love them, but it was not this type of a. Because before we go to recess, I just uh, I, I found one to give the class a bracha, and everyone everyone stops and he goes, I give everyone here a bracha. That every single time you learn, every single time you learn, your face should shine like Yossi Ben Shushan's face is shining right now. <laughs> he didn't even like me. I have no. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I will never forget Masakos Makas for as long as I live. It, we were learning Kufar Kapara that day. I'll, I'll never forget the line, the daf, when he went like this to, to prove to us Kufar Kapara. I'll never forget the whole thing. I remember the tie he was wearing. We're so afraid of negative influences and negative effects on our children. We're so afraid. But the first story I told you, I promise you, I forgot until this morning. This story of Rabbi Weisler, I remember weekly. I call upon it weekly. The Machanchen. And the Rebbeim and the schools have such a big responsibility. I don't mean to downplay that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're there so that we can get what done what we need to get done. And every other minute, and every other hour, and every other time of our life has to be spent on how am I building this kid? And if you don't want to focus on how to build a kid, that, that's fine. Just focus on the fact that this beautiful kid is mine. They're mine. We always say, just love them. I always say, I love the line. But that's like, that's like, telling, uh, it's like going over to uh, an oncologist. And saying, so at the end of the day, I remember someone came over to me one time. He said, at the end of the day, all you got is before even the Rabbi Trank book, before all the, this guy came up to me and goes, at the end of the day with these kids. Uh, and I just fin- was finished dealing with a very difficult situation. And it was the wrong time for this guy to come up. But he goes, at the end of the day with these kids, at the end of the day, it's just love. Right? Just, you know, show them you like them, show them you love them, give them a good time. They'll come back. I was like, that's like saying to an oncologist, at the end of the day, you just give them medicine, right? I'm saying... You give them some medicine, uh, chemo, whatever. Give them medicine, they'll be fine. Like, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you. But there's different medicines, and there's different times, there's different ways, there's different... There's just so much behind that. We need, Rebbeim need experience and time and, and all these things to learn what to administer when. A parent has that naturally. We cannot... Take your place. A Rebbe, a teacher, a principal cannot and should not ever take the parents' place. We are here to support you, but you lead the way. You lead the way. Be in contact with your kids' teachers, be in contact with everyone you can. You lead the way. There is no question, I'm sure Rabbi Kalish can attest to this, I'm sure Rabbi Friedman can attest to this. There is no question, if you were to take a kid in ninth grade, and his parents are in touch with me, and, and are putting into the yeshiva, are invested in the yeshiva, not just their son, but are invested in the yeshiva, they come by, they want to be a part. When you see that boy versus a kid whose parents are not like that, and you watch them go from ninth to twelfth, you are dealing with a different product. 
a completely different product. Our schools are there for what they're there for. They are our child's school. Like your job, it's not your life, hopefully. You're their life. Good.